Welcome to the Gregarious Mammal Podcast. And in this episode is the first of two interviews I conducted with startups whilst I visited Dubai. It was an interesting place. Uh, I think these interviews will form part of an article around the general feelings I experienced in Dubai. But let's start with a couple of interviews first. And his first interview is with Rami, Ayush and Rishav from Wrap Up AI. And I'll let them explain what they do. So um, we started off at a hackathon. I, I met Rami, I knew Rishav back from my college days, but we met Rami at a hackathon in uh, May 2015. Uh, AngelHack runs these hackathons all over the world and across 60, 70 cities and uh, back then the idea was very simple, record the conversation, tag the important moments manually, uh, play them back, write your notes and send out the summary email. Uh, that's how the basic idea started, we built our first prototype in under 24 hours and that, um, that, uh, that got us long, long the hackathon with that. Uh, in within 24 hours we built that first prototype uh, uh, and then we decided to go full time with it in June. Okay. We officially incorporated the company in July and then because we won the hackathon, there was a free accelerator program that was run by AngelHack, wherein there was every week some sort of deliverables uh, in terms of marketing, sales, product development, uh, traction, and you hit those markers. Uh, and then on, at the end of a 12-week uh, program, they invited about 15 teams from all over the world to uh, go fly down to Silicon Valley for their global demo day. Yep. And uh, we won the grand cash prize from HP for $10,000 there. And that's how, you know, uh, and then that's when we started to fundraise and, you know, run with Dubai versus US and uh, that's how we started to build the product from that point onwards. So you're not from here originally or... No, I mean, I... All of us are expats, so... Yeah, well, I think that's... Nobody is... Nobody's from I interviewed, I interviewed someone yesterday who was actually from here. Uh, um, but, uh, yeah, it's a tiny minority. <laughs> <laughs> no, for example, me and I used to went to school in Dubai. Okay. 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 I grew up in D.C. and uh, came to work in consulting. Yeah. And I worked there for four years, and then uh, we, we met at the hackathon. So. Yeah. so we happened to be here when we started. Yeah, no. So you yeah, haven't actually, I mean, I, I know what it is, but you haven't actually said what the idea is. Yeah. So, so, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 so it's basically, uh, it is basically an AI note taker. So we use AI to summarize and meeting conversations, extract out the most important parts, like action items, notes, mm-hmm. and decisions, and then share it across the parts of the meeting. And is it a standalone app or is it? So we've sort of become a more ubiquitous platform. So we support your face-to-face meetings through the mobile app. Mm -hmm. Then there is a web component where we plug in with existing conference solution providers like Zoom, Uber Conference, Skype for Business. Uh, All you have to do is uh, either integrate your calendar to the meeting invite or invite our bot, Lucy, to the meeting. It will dial in five minutes before the call, record it, summarize your meeting and send out the notes to all the participants. And I mean, just my own personal perspective, I'm a big Evernote user, mm-hmm. which and it does that with written notes, right. yeah, written notes, but it doesn't do anything with audio. Is there a possibility to hook into that at some point or not really? You're more going for the, the actual, the way that meetings are normally facilitated. So the thing is with Evernote, it's text-based, mm-hmm. um, so it's a completely different paradigm. Yeah. And we're kind of quite the opposite. We want to hang off of voice and the speech voice and then everything else that builds yeah. into that so from search to summarization to even voice commands so yeah. recently we launched um, voice commands with live transcription okay. um, so that did two things one people were seeing the transcript happening in real time that gave them the confidence to believe in the system and kind of increase our retention rate by around 4x um, and then two the voice commands so we're in a conversation I can say um, action item 
send this out after the meeting with more details um, so that Chris can use the app uh, in his next meetings and even transcribe his, um, I guess, interviews. Can I see the, the result of that? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, yeah, it's a sort of standard level of, of transcription, but it's not bad. <laughs> it's, um, so a few of the yeah. trends that we kind of bucked yeah. down is when we started, transcription was crap. I mean, really, like, if you had to use it for anything of use, so we hid it behind a search layer, but we knew that the curve of transcription technology was going to eventually yeah. become commoditized. Um, so we started building all of our intelligence and all of our um, use case and kind of USP after the fact of a transcript, right? So, um, what can we, how do we identify important moments? It started with a button. Mm, yeah. That is now training our algorithms towards identify, identifying what's an important moment, right? And then, two, um, just from language uh, understanding, what is an action item? Yeah. Well, actually, if me and you sit in a room, <laughs> yeah, there'll be some false positives. Yeah. Um, but if me and you sit in a room and we start to identify the different terminologies that go along with what seems like an action, um, we'll actually find out, like, I'll send this to you next week or we'll follow up. Yeah. And we list all of those out. That's keyword spotting. It's pretty, you know, mundane. What we did is we then transferred that into more of a language understanding model where our neural networks are actually predicting action items based on intent. Whether it's the exact word, I'll follow up with you next week or... Um, you know, I'll send this out. Yeah. We'll so three three questions at the moment. What are those kind of keywords? It, is, it was just a basis for the neural network. So what it does is basically understand when you train a neural network to say that this is a positive action item, it understands what the underlying intent is. Mm. So there, we had an initial corpus of words that we started training with, uh, and then we over time increased that corpus. So now it understands that intent of, uh, it's intent to do an action item. So I will connect back with you in a week. Okay. Or uh, let's loop back in a few days to understand what is what's going on. Or why don't I send this across to you? So okay. all this is an intent to for an action or a thing to happen in the future, which is what we... And the second question is, how can I exit out of them? Like, if I speak very quickly after an action item is triggered, and mm-hmm. then, like in this case, it was going too long. You just hit back. So, okay. So it's a manual button. Yeah. yeah. And can you export those to Jira or... Anything, yeah. something like that. Yeah. So once you've completed the meeting, we'll automatically email you all the info. Then you'll have the ability to export it to okay. any one of your apps as a text with a link to playback on top. Of it. Okay. Today we integrate to Slack and Salesforce. Yeah. So okay, Salesforce makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I don't use it personally, but it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But like, for example, for small teams, Slack has become the new Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, you don't, you don't have to answer the question if you don't want to, but... I'm guessing if you only started in June, you didn't write your own text-to-speech, uh, speech-to-text. No, we didn't. No, you... We used Google speech-to-text to uh, do the transcription. Yeah. We did everything on top of the transcription, which is we built our own own neural networks yeah. from scratch to build, detect the action items or do the keyword spotting or understand what's important, what's not important. So everything beyond the transcription is what our uh, 
hiking and our And why did you settle on Google? Did you try things like Watson? Oh, yes, and yes. Like as well? oh, so we were working with Watson for a year yeah. and a half. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Google just launched a transcription only over the summer. It yeah. was in a, a very close beta and we finally got access to the beta program once they were before they launched the public. And their prediction accuracy was a lot better than Watson's okay. prediction accuracy. So for some time, we even had both of them running parallelly and comparing the results for every meeting. And then we had to choose one over the other. Yeah. Okay. And um, does that also let you support other languages? 60 yeah. other languages. So, so basically, whatever languages... Is it 60 or 70? Yeah. 60 or 70 languages, yeah. 60 or 70. So 100 yeah. with dialects and stuff in between. We think it's around 60. Essentially... Um, we were just in English, and yeah. um, we were featured as an app of the day, um, and we only knew that because actually in Germany, we started looking at our Slack feedback channel, yeah. and it was a bunch of German people that were really angry at us <laughs> for not having German, and we were just getting message after message, like, what is going on? Like, we never told anyone we had German, um, and it turns out we were featured in the Germany store, we were featured yeah. across Europe, and okay. um, a lot of Asian countries, and they were all requesting some form of, you know, localization, yeah. which is transcription yeah. languages. Yeah. Um, so we, you know, kind of went back into hack mode. It's, it's actually strange, though, because uh, the second language that Alexa is supporting after English is German, yeah. which is strange because it's not the biggest language mm. group. Um, but, uh, yeah, and also it's not a culture that tends to like to talk to things, talk mm. to listening devices mm. for privacy reasons and stuff. So it's a strange kind of choice. Someone did tell me the reason. <laughs> I forgot what it was. But um, for this, I mean, if you think yeah. of a Germanic approach to meetings. Yeah, but well, it turned, it's actually quite interesting. I don't know if you, I, I've been interested quite a lot in uh, voice interfaces means recently. Mm -hmm. And sometimes some of the hardest languages for humans to learn because of the structure. Right. And some of the easiest languages for a computer to process because mm -hmm. of the structure, like Finnish. Right. It's incredibly complicated, but actually it's one of the simplest languages for a computer to process. Hmm. Which is ah. super strange. <laughs> and not that there's going to be that many chatbots in Finnish, really, but um, it's still kind of interesting. And also Czech has a strange amount of... Um, oh, yeah. Also because I think uh, there's a university there that has recorded lots of... Um, I can't remember the proper word, but lots of language data on the mm. Czech language. So there's a lot of material to work with, mm. is one of the reasons it's overrepresented <laughs> in the space. Interesting. Yeah, it's a, it's a sort of, it's a very fascinating space. But And, I mean, I'm guessing, do you have problems with, well, it's not you, it's Google, but do you have any way of coping with uh, the sort of standard problem of accents and colloquialisms and... Um, you can choose the accents yeah. from the so the dialects. If you have an English, you have at least fifteen versions of English as well: English, Indian, English, yeah. uh, German, English, yeah. uh, French. But a meeting will possibly have like four people speaking mm -hmm. a different. We won't be able. To, I mean, so yeah. their 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 neural networks are actually. You can see when it switches between oh, really? me and you. Okay. That it will actually pause a bit the first time it hears you. Yeah. And that's it trying to identify you okay. as a different person. Yeah. And you can actually see that it'll grab your transcription a little bit differently than mine. Um, but it's not at the level that they'll yeah. publicize it. Yeah. Um, so it's nothing, I don't think there's anything written out there. No. But you can visually yeah. see that it's taken care of a lot of that. And are you, um, is it live? Well, it's live, obviously. You've got yeah. it. So how many. Customers and what's your business model at the moment? So right now we've left it for free because okay. we're still trying to identify. I mean, we've got ninety thousand users so far. Um, our pricing model is going to be coming in place in the next few months. 
um, but where we were lasering in on our use case and where do we really want to have um, the most impact, and, and it's in sales. Yeah. At the end of the day, salespeople um, have the most meetings. They and have the most concrete outcomes. Most concrete outcomes. Yeah. It's actually pretty structured, you know, because they're usually going through the same topics. Yeah. Um, and then sales teams have a need to optimize and kind of be aware, share internally, document. Yeah. What's the CRM yeah. Yeah. other than managing everything around the meeting? Yeah, that's no, true. I mean, it's interesting because, I mean, not so much for me because I tend to just put my interviews out as podcast episodes. I don't mm-hmm. do too much, too much transcribing. Uh, I tend to just use them as a kind of a, a base for things. My wife does similar work and she's always trying to transcribe interviews and she's tried... Um, Something mix, Tronics or something. Trinics. No. Trinics, yeah. yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. She Trent or Trent. I can't remember. Something. Trinics like is a British one company. Yeah. She hasn't had a lot of luck with it. Um, usually it's poor quality audio. Um, she's got an Australian accent. She's usually interviewing people with a wide variety of accents. <laughs> and she hasn't had a lot of luck with it, especially when it gets to technical terms mm-hmm. as well. I actually noticed this recently. Um, use Grammarly quite a lot which is a more text correction but I didn't I only just upgraded recently and I noticed that it actually has a a toggle for type of language which is kind of interesting right so it'll pick up you know there's certain words in technical language that aren't really correct Mm -hmm. but they are in that context is there anything like that for voice you know Picking up on certain... Uh, so, like custom dictionary kind of thing. It's a custom dictionary, but like yeah. a custom domain dictionary. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. what we do is we do it with all the teams which we onboard and everything. You can actually put in your custom words yeah. and like business acronyms and everything. Yeah. For example, in startup world, VCs and like each of one, like there'll be a lot of technical notes. You can just put it in your profiles or something yeah. of our team. Yeah. And whenever it's transcribed on real time or stuff, it takes two grand. It tends to see if any of those words were taken and has a higher like impact for those like confidence. Like if those words come in, so it will automatically correct all of those. Yeah. So we have kind of those things in the voice space also now. They call it custom keywords. Yeah. Okay. Custom dictionary. And also, so I mean, we we help build that for them as well. So one of the keywords that. Um, needs to be transcribed quite efficiently is names, right? Yeah. Um, and so one of the things we do is we look at your calendar, we look at the names in your calendar, the proper nouns, and we actually plug that into your dictionary. So we're, we're actively building that with you um, throughout the process. But as we specialize with sales teams, yeah. we also build custom kind of yeah. dedicated yeah. solutions. Okay. And, I mean, what's been your um, biggest Difficulty so far, the, the problem you've hit the most with trying to get the service to work or expectations from people. I mean, maybe you can talk to a kind of training on transcript data versus, you know, perfect. There's, I mean, a bunch of other things. I'll tackle the technical line, you talk about the business uh, hurdles. I think the biggest one is, I mean, there is the transcription engine and the uh, that transcription service is tending towards a commodity now but mm. most the algorithms or most of the work that has been done in the voice interface has always been on structured data so yep. when you try to run any sort of neural networks or intelligence platforms on transcript data you tend to have a, a lot lesser accuracy or uh, the prediction goes haywire or doesn't seem the right output just because most of the algorithms have not been on uh, structured text mm. so we put a lot of effort to one clean up the text uh, second uh, structure give it a structure and then run the algorithm on top of that. One of the things we've been playing around with is uh, summarization. 
but in the terms of how a human summarizes a, a text of paragraph. Yeah, yeah. So imagine you edit a TNW article and, you know, I want to give you a gist of it. You yeah. know, the more traditional way is to just pick out sentences, uh, which are the top sentences based on a very simple algorithm. The second is a concept called abstract summarization, and that is how a human would have summarized this piece of meaning. This piece of, uh, piece of article or text. And we've been trying to do that on meeting conversations, but we've been struggling with uh, getting a higher accuracy just because all the engines and all the data out there is structured and is run on newspaper articles, nothing on transcription text. So you have to put a lot of effort to one, train those, build a data set yourself, uh, label the data set yourself, and then train on top of them. Mm -hmm. So that's a lot of time you have to put into mm -hmm. really get the accuracy that you're looking for. And how easy was it to plug into the the the, the meeting software, are they all open to plugins? and So we, we did it in a pretty ingenious way, whereas we didn't want to build the distinct integrations with each one. Um, so what we did is we said, all of these meetings that are happening will have a dialogue, yeah. predominantly, um, and all of them will have an invite. So we read off the invite, that dialogue, and basically dial into the call to capture. Um, so it's a roundabout yeah. way of integrating with literally yeah. everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we kind of circumvented... the most common denominator with that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, so right now we're focused primarily on the U.S. and we've plugged in uh, all of our, you know, kind of engines to call in to dial into mm -hmm. U.S. phone numbers and then slowly we'll expand from there. Hmm. There's an interesting uh, way to do it. <laughs> Does anyone have a problem with you doing that? So far, it's about it's about communication and clarity. Um, really, so we. I mean, I, I don't see why they. Oh, the platforms. Yeah, it's no, it's more about like user privacy yeah. and confidentiality, yeah. and that's really about us being clear about what's happening. And, and you know, when you see someone else on the call, it's obviously need to be uh, disclosed. So we send emails before the call, after the call have been completed, um, and then our user kind of uh, expectations are to inform people based on their jurisdiction. I mean, yeah. Barcelona, you don't need to tell anyone you're recording. Germany, it's one of the strictest you know, kind of uh, uh, laws. So um, we focus on the U.S. We, we've kind of covered our bases there. <laughs> yeah. It depends, actually. 13 states have yeah. um, two-party consent. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so, I mean, we spoke a little bit at the beginning, but so, yeah, how did you end up here in the first place? Um, you were studying. What else? And you just... Yeah, so I was working as a consultant with naming companies and yeah, as a management consultancy. I was, I was doing that one, like, organizational redesign new to me program and I basically had back to back meetings with clients four hours pitch the idea four hours built and I was up until three kicked ass in 24 hours literally I used the next week quit the next month we started something to be honest with you I don't actually know if there's not that many examples of projects that come out of hackathons and keep going there's often a lot of enthusiasm for about a week <laughs> and then it just dies. Right. Uh, it's very, very rare, actually. And um, yeah, the, especially some of the bigger ones like angel hacking things. I know uh, often the the end result can be a bit of a sort of mm. letdown. It kind of it never it never results in what you expect. To sort of what's promised is kind of half yeah. <laughs> half actually happens and etc. So it's actually really cool that uh, I think. The first time in quite a while, met uh, a project that's actually come out of the hackathon and kept going. So, well done. Um, and I mean, why did you stay here? 
What, 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 I guess, what's the positives? Or no, what, what kept you here? And then we'll talk about the positives. <laughs> so when we had won the, the competition, you know, the demo yeah. day in the U.S., yeah. we had some offers to stay out in the U.S. And um, we had initial discussions with investors here. Um, and one in particular, our lead investor, eventually Beppo Capital, mm. was really keen on exporting innovation. Mm. Not, you know, investing in local startups just necessarily to make a profit quickly in e-commerce, but actually build something different and export it to um, the rest of the world. So there, there kind of our incentives aligned. Um, and we said, yeah, we can go through an accelerator yeah. or we can, you know, fundraise and become a company and actually build the things that we want to build um, ourselves and learn the, the steps ourselves. Um, so that had a, a lot of positives. Now, some of the drawbacks are, if you think of the ecosystem for um, people using this, adopting this, businesses paying for it, you know, everyone will take a meeting on innovation um, and they'll take two, three, four, five meetings, but will they really get down the business and get something done? And that's when we started making regular trips out to San Francisco from TechCrunch to, you know, almost on a quarterly basis, we were out there um, talking to other startups, businesses, investors, um, partners. And we ended up, you know, building all of the tools and platforms based on feedback of those trips. So we eventually said, you know, we need to set up there. Um, and now as a part of the Salesforce incubator, okay. we're going to be starting out there in February. Okay. Okay. So I'm guessing there are some negatives to being here, which is mostly, I suppose, sort of geography, maybe. The market Just, is not that mature yeah. enough. They have not seen that much. So like, so that's the thing. Like in San Francisco, you can find all the things. Like mm. people are more mature enough. They have experience. Like the investors and everyone you talk to. But over here, things move very slow. For example, when you need to run a pilot with some company or something, in SF you get the answer up front. Or <coughs> The cycles are very small compared to over here. It takes months and years. Okay. Okay. I guess the positive I've seen so far is that it's quite easy to get talent. Like, there's such a mixture of people from various different backgrounds. It depends what kind of yeah. talent. I mean, yeah, I mean, tech, the good part is uh, you can get, you know, Ukraine and, you know, Eastern Europe is sort of close your Turkish talent. But it's still not, I mean, it's still very difficult to find tech talent in specific. This is actually interesting because the same, the, the person I spoke to yesterday told me the same thing, same thing that it seems that a lot of the development work here, especially, is not done here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's either Eastern Europe or India or some continent. Because the setup is such that you have to be on a visa here. Yeah. So no one's just sitting around here without a job, yeah. right? So you're either yeah. coaching them yeah. um, or you're bringing them over. Yeah. And if you're bringing them over, you're Which opening yourself up yeah. to that same yeah. risk of someone poaching them. Yeah. You know, so yeah. um, it's kind of a very difficult market to navigate. So it's, a, it's a town of founders and managers. Yeah. <laughs> so, and if you say the word AI or machine learning, yeah. I mean, yeah. you might as well be speaking German. Like... <laughs> Uh, it's, it's fair. I mean, to be honest with you, I found very few kind of people I actually wanted to speak to because it was mostly, I mean, you're obviously kind of B2B sales, but it's not as okay. clear okay. as that. Yeah, it's a little bit more interesting. <laughs> so it's a, lot, a, lot of, a lot of sales platforms, a lot of e-commerce, a lot of kind of things to me that were not massively interesting. Um, but there seems to be a lot of activity. Um so I guess you've, you've probably highlighted the positives and negatives there, and you're not you're not staying. So <laughs> well, we'll, continue, we'll continue to have a base. Here. Yeah. I think 
one of the great things about here, it's kind of like a controlled environment for you yeah. to really test your, yeah. your stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, there is the um, little fish, a little yeah. pond, yeah. and little yeah. fish, big pond. Yeah. Um, yeah. We would have never been featured as an app of the day in the US, yeah. plain and simple. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we would have probably not gotten all the pre-R and press and, and kind of uplift that comes with that. Yeah. Um, if we were based in the US so it's got it's got yes yeah. yeah and it's actually some of my favourite places I've visited in the past couple of years have all been small places like Estonia and Israel mm. both kind of fascinating places and they're all tiny and uh, you have to go overseas but they're a good place to be based um, yeah it's kind of I think it's a common a common pattern actually yeah um, so what's the plan Next, what's the what's your roadmap for the next six months? On the tech side? I mean, uh, on the tech side, yeah, we, we, uh, we're keen to focus on uh, improving our neural networks for training purposes to get a, a, a higher prediction accuracy. And then we're playing around or you know, trying to get go live with the summarization aspect. And uh, we have a, a speaker ID. We're building a speaker ID mm-hmm. in our platform, which is once this conversation is done, we segment the audio to different speakers based on uh, Chris, Rami, Ayush, Rami, Arushab, uh, and different speakers and label them as random A, B, C, D. Mm-hmm. And what we're going to build is build a speaker ID on top of that, which is basically your voice print saying that this is Chris, this is Rami. Mm-hmm. So the next time you have a yeah. conversation, it knows that who that you person is. Connect it to social profiles and CRM profiles. And, and these within teams. Yeah. 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 Within, within enterprise yeah. teams, yeah. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and something you can probably train on a consumer level yeah. as well. Yeah. Okay. And so, yeah, I guess the other things are. Relocating, <laughs> it's a pretty big, pretty big, and then working on how you're going to price, I guess. Yeah, um, definitely pricing. I mean, it's kind of has been established. We we've got something. There is a, a market within the training space for kind of keyword spotting and and kind of mm. playback or on training on top of that for inside sales teams. One of the interesting things is we've got a mobile app and a web app, mm-hmm. so we're kind of multi-dimensional. Um, and field sales is still like if you think of Europe, seventy percent of sales is done through field sales, mm. and in the US it's still fifty five percent, and that's completely untapped. Mm. Um, so, kind of targeting that field sales angle yeah, yeah, yeah. is going to be something very interesting for yeah. us to take on. Yeah, I mean, what would how would how plausible would it be to get this to work offline? It does work it does offline. Work. It just wouldn't have live transcription. So there wouldn't be any live voice commands. But everything we do, we actually process twice just for fidelity. Um, because if there's any internet connection drop or whatever, yeah, yeah. we want to make sure we have a full transcript properly run. Okay. So I can imagine especially sort of salespeople and who knows where you end up. It's on the fly with bad network connectivity. They're always running around. Yeah, and airports are notoriously poor too. I mean, that's why I hate doing everything in the cloud actually because it's like... I don't always have an internet connection, I'm sorry. <laughs> or it's very up and down or very slow or very poor. Um, so the basis of our whole platform before live was post-processing. Yeah. So. Cool, cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it would be interesting to try it. I don't know if it necessarily suits my use case. I'm not sure. I might try it for meetings in the future because it's often actually something that we forget a lot is um, I do some kind of... Uh, sort of content marketing type blogs for technical startups and things and sometimes we have a meeting where 
we've agreed to some things and everyone's forgotten what we agreed to right. and no one noted it down and <laughs> so, so it's kind of a perfect use case of that yeah. sort of that sort of thing um, the, the five points that everyone agreed to right. and I don't remember agreeing to that there you go um, yeah. it's, it's actually I mean we kind of segmented it into three three types one is like project status meetings those kind of everyone knows what they need to be doing you just need some sort of a record to go back stand ups right yeah like stand ups two is like fact finding yeah if you're doing research interviews stuff like that I mean a lot of your job is actually playing back this really linear form of doing things which is audio while search and text is actually non-linear you can read faster than me you can skim through you can jump to the important points So there we actually enable an even better kind of mm -hmm. research aspect. And then there's the decision-making meetings. These are more like what you're trying to do in sales, what you're trying to do in um, these sessions. And that's where you're trying to really drive outcomes and, and look for those important points. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, and just in the time you've been here, the other question I'd just like to ask, just because it gives me more avenues to look into, would there be uh, three other projects or startups or whatever here that you would highly recommend to people definitely you want each choose one yeah there's three of you so it could be a you know a community thing a startup a, a project a, a place that you think is a really cool there's there's so many but Lunch On is one that I really like. Um, I don't know if you've heard of them, but essentially they take the um, annoying part out of ordering food at work. Um, this is a very big uh, online and, and food ordering uh, segment of the population here. And what they do is they actually send you a message on a daily basis from two different restaurants, choosing only three options from those restaurants. And you can either opt in or out. And on that day, you will receive your lunch at that specific time. Um, and it'll just be waiting for you. And you're in meetings all day, and you've got all these things to take care of. And half the time, you end up exactly like I did today at 3 o'clock, you know, kind of disturbing our meeting um, while eating yeah. instead of, you know, having it ready. So I thought that was a really okay. interesting one. Cool. For me, I suppose Washington would be I was one. So it's more like it's not really in tech heavy right now, yeah. but it's like on the laundry service, but they're using tech to improve the service. So for like laundry service over here in Dubai, mostly people give their clothes outside. Yeah. Like the uh, system of washing all of them inside and in-house is very less. And it's always a pain to go to a laundry shop or call them for pickup or anything. But for me, I just put the clothes in the back, put it outside, and they know what kind of uh, the way I want it back. Like they fold each and every cloth in a separate like packet in a cover and give it to me so that when I'm traveling, I just take them along. I don't have to organize anything. And so I just put it outside, they clean it. After two days, I get, okay, this is the report, they did it, and this is the thing. But sometimes the innovative part is, for example, you're at house and they have some delivery drivers around you. So you automatically get a push notification. Do you want, to, do you have some clothes for laundry? You can get it for a discount right now because we have some people in the area. And like they come and pick it up. And those kind of, uh, like using data and AI. Yeah. Change the industry and disrupt it, like uh, reducing the cost. I find that like very innovative, like because that's an industry which has never been disrupted in a long while, yeah. and they're using okay, reducing costs. Some people already there, pickup drivers, delivery drivers. How can we like ask other customers or who do this kind of stuff? 
It's like a flash sale on your lawn. Yeah, it seems to kind of sit, fit the style of the city as well. It seems to be a very kind of on demand. You know, it's just a very the whole place is kind of manufactured. And so mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like everything seems to be sort of convenience focused, which is has its attractions. You know, mm-hmm. some, some sometimes it's a bit extreme, but it sort of has its attractions too. And have you got a, a plan B or was that? Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to go for a board deeper tech play. There's this okay. company called, which works out here called Dirk. Uh, they basically use AI to uh, predict accidents well in time before time. So they use, uh, I mean, cameras on road traffic signals and, you know, they've mapped out cities or areas yeah. and then they can use uh, that with real time information to predict that accidents happen or not using the AI that's built. And they have a couple of patterns and they're building some really cool stuff. Uh, I mean, uh, a lot of the drone technology that yeah. you are, you, you typically use on drones like uh, SLAM, which is basically simulation location and mapping, or um, LIDARs, or a bunch yeah. of stuff like that. They combine that with computer vision and to mm-hmm. do these predictions. Uh, and they're pretty interesting looking tech, like a really heavy tech. Today. But is it? So I guess it's more about, I mean, I guess there are some accidents caused by weather conditions or too much traffic or something like that, but then there's a lot So these are, essentially what they're doing yeah. is instead of being <laughs> on top of the car, they're actually partnering with the government yeah. to be on the traffic the signals themselves. Yeah. Uh, and then they're working with the government to embed these, these uh, monitors inside of the cars so that they're alerted before an infraction happens, right? So if you see a, a light turn yellow yeah. and the driver doesn't, and they can calculate the speed of that car coming towards that light, yeah. they'll actually alert the driver to slow down and it'll stop the car in time. Yeah. Or if they're committing an infraction, yeah. legally speaking, um, crossing when they or turning when they shouldn't be, it's able to identify those. Yeah. So it's these start, are MIT. It animals. starts to feed into the whole very near future. Will anyone be driving anyway? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's, actually, it's actually interesting though. I saw this fascinating presentation from an Israeli professor about self-driving cars. And at the moment, self-driving cars are too nice. Mm-hmm. And he showed this video of this self-driving car trying to get onto a roundabout and no one was letting it go. The car was doing the right thing and having the aggression. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm sure they're trying to put in more human characteristics. I mean, there should be some sort of bias that comes to these engines. I mean, there's no way you can avoid it on biasness. You, know? you need to be able to put like a little bit of your own personality into it in some respects. <laughs> right. You know, well, also it comes into the whole ethics right. algorithm. It's like right. I care more about old people and children. Right. You know what I mean? Like, there's this whole balancing. Anyway, this is going off, off of the tangent. <laughs> but it's that piece of all the self driving cars should be connected to each other. Then only they'll be able to solve it. In, in theory, yeah. I, I don't know. But again, how do you judge something like a roundabout, especially like. Who, who is. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, this gets into very complicated territories. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Gregarious Mammal podcast. If you've enjoyed the show, you can find previous episodes at gregariousmammal.com slash podcast. And if you'd like to support the show, then go to gregariousmammal.com slash support. And you can stay in touch with me on Twitter at Chris Chinch or in the interwebs at chrischinchilla.com. Talk to you next time. <laughs> <laughs>